How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Welcome back to another edition of Locked Unboxed presented by Brewhoop.com. I am Frank Madden from Brewhoop.com and I'm joined, as always, by Eric Name and... Today's episode is brought to you by SeatGeek. Download the mobile app for the easiest way to buy tickets with the promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. That's L-O-B-U-C-K-S to get a $20 rebate on your first purchase. Eric, how are you doing? We're recording this on, uh, what day is it, Tuesday? Yeah, I think. Yeah, sure, it's I think Tuesday. So. It's, it's, uh, it's late on a Tuesday. Uh, the only news that came out today was the... Uh, FS Wisconsin schedule. We found out that uh, the whole broadcast crew is going to be back, which uh, I'm happy about. Jim, Jim Paschke, John McLaughlin, of course, longtime fixtures, but uh, Mr. Marcus Johnson. I always think of him as old school 88 or whatever his, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. his, uh, his Twitter handle is. I, I like his Twitter feed. Uh, as well as Gus Johnson, who, of course, came in last year to much pomp and circumstance. Uh, those four will be back. Uh, I don't think there was anything said about how many games they would each be doing, right? I didn't. Correct. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I missed it, but I don't think there's anything. Um, so we'll see how that breaks down. Um, you know, obviously John McLaughlin's kind of been scaling back a bit, uh, and Gus Johnson did. I think what like twenty games, something like that, last year. So yeah, and I think we'll it's, see. I was gonna say I think it's tough too with Gus because he does like Fox Sports. So then, right? Like I don't know if they necessarily know exactly what game they're gonna give him three months in advance like i assume they probably are like oh creighton is good so let's give him this creighton game and he needs to go to nebraska or wherever creighton is iowa i don't know one of those <laughs> one of those states and then it's like well now he can't call the bucks game in cleveland or something like that so i'm sure it's probably a mess to try to figure out all of that as well yeah and i guess the only new uh, thing really was uh, former Buck, former All Star, uh, Vin Baker would be joining the I guess the Bucks Live show. Uh, I think both pre and post game, um, but Tony Smith I guess is still around as well. So I'm not sure if they're both going to be on it or if they're going to rotate or whatever they're going to do. But um, pretty cool uh, to have Vin Baker coming back. Um, you know, Vin Baker, a guy I think uh, I guess my second NBA draft that I went to at the at the Bradley Center, you know, like the the draft mm-hmm. day party whatever was uh the Vin Baker draft and I guess it was 93. The first one was the immortal Todd Day Lee Mayberry draft, which was magical. Um <laughs> but uh Vin Baker, I still I have uh hanging in my room. My room at home in Wisconsin is still sort of like preserved from when I was, you know, 10 to 14 years old and I still have <laughs> a uh autographed warehouse shoes like eight by ten vin baker uh picture oh that's uh, so sick. and also yeah and i I'll, well i i went to go see vin baker this was like on brown deer road the, there was a warehouse shoes there i went to see vin baker uh and john barry was also there and so john barry was i guess a, i think Clutch. he was a second round pick that year and uh i so i brought like a vin baker fleer ultra rookie card or something like that and i had him sign that and then John Barry was just like there. And so I was like, oh, you have this 
eight by 10 picture. Sure. You know, yeah, sign <laughs> that. So <laughs> this is when John Barry still had like a full head of hair. Um, and ironically, I'm, I'm not a huge, uh, not, not a big John Barry fan as a, as an announcer, but, um, cool to have, uh, Vin Baker back. Uh, he, I think a lot of people know he had issues with alcoholism and, and really, um, had to overcome a lot kind of towards the end of his career and then thereafter. And, um, I think he's kind of become a, a really nice story in terms of, uh, you know, bouncing back from some really difficult times. And, uh, I think he came back. I know he was with the summer league team. I want to say the last two summers he was in Vegas with the bucks. I think so. And yeah. And I think, um, I think he also addressed the team. I want to say before a game, maybe last year, um, he spoke to uh, to the guys in the locker room. So it's been kind of cool. He came back. I know for the 40th anniversary thing a few years ago as well as you know, kind of one of the all time you know bucks, whatever. Uh, so cool that he's kind of gotten everything back on track. Cool that he's going to be back in town and uh, and part of the FS Wisconsin uh, crew. So uh, welcome, welcome back, Vin Baker. Uh, and it's still crazy to think that you know. It's weird to think of, oh, in the 90s, the Bucks did have some some guys who went to the All-Star game since it's been 12 years since Michael Red did it. But uh, anyway, um, we're here to continue our positional preview week. And we started off with uh, a couple of positions on Monday, Tuesday that kind of went together. Point guard, shooting guard. You've got, we think, like Matthew Delvadova is the obvious guy at point guard just from a fit standpoint. We know Chris Middleton is the obvious guy at shooting guard, and then kind of everything else thereafter is sort of a mess. Michael Carter-Williams fits in somehow. Who knows who fits in among the other guards. And small forward is kind of... Small forward and power forward are are kind of a similar pairing, I guess. Um, Although small forward is maybe the weirdest position in the sense that it's kind of like the best of times and the worst of times. The Bucs have like this embarrassment of riches of... You know, there's like three most valued assets can all play small forward. And yet after that, I don't know, Eric, is there anybody on this team that you would trust as a forward other than Jabari Parker, Chris Middleton, or Giannis Adetokounmpo? Um, <laughs> Think carefully about that. Here's the thing. I looked up everything and I wanted to have a cool answer for you, so... I went to Nylon Calculus and I looked at the positional estimates and obviously we we talked about those in the earlier discussion we had this week about shooting guards and I wanted to be able to go there and find something and dig something up that was really gonna was gonna make me happy and I went to the Suns and looked at Mirza Toledovic and thought, okay, there's got to be some minutes of him playing small forward. Like that, that just has, that had to happen. And there's literally none. He did not play a minute of small forward. And again, we don't know their ecosystem that well. He very well could have played small forward. And we just, we just wouldn't really know because we didn't watch Suns basketball closely enough. But just thinking about it, that's kind of brutal. Like he he's not a small forward, so there's not really an answer there. Um, maybe maybe you could try Malcolm Brogdon. Um, he's wingspan. I wouldn't feel super comfortable with that, uh, just because rookies are bad, and obviously he's kind of undersized for the position, despite his wingspan and grit and intelligence and all of that. So, like you mentioned, it's so strange that. 
it's difficult to fill out the small forward rotation because there are three guys on this Bucks roster that are probably best at small forward in Middleton, Jabari, and Giannis. But as we put these lineups together and we go through position by position, we see that, well, maybe Giannis is a little bit more useful as a point guard. And maybe Jabari is a little bit more useful as a power forward. And maybe Chris is a little bit more useful as a shooting guard. So in all of these, you move them around and use them in different ways. But in the end you have all these great guys at small forward, but yet you have no one at small forward. So it's just interesting to see kind of how that's all worked out and how that lineup works as a whole, because it doesn't seem to make any sense. While the Bucks' small forward rotation might not make a lot of sense, what does make a lot of sense is using SeatGeek, and especially because football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seats you want for a great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house, whether that's the 50-yard line, the club seats, or the upper level. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it is by far the easiest way i found to shop for tickets. And I told you how I was going to go down to St. Louis for Brewers Cardinals. I did that on Friday night. And the cool thing was on the app, when you go in and you look at the tickets, it'll give you the view from your seats, what it looks like. And it literally looked exactly like what I saw on my phone when I sat there on Friday night. So, so that it's very good. It's very intuitive. It's easy to see. And you get a great view of the seats that you're actually going to buy. And again, I told you those were the best deal in the entire stadium. And with SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek compares prices for you uh, by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And they grade all of those seats in every ticket based on value. So you'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Best of all, our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app. Go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code. Enter promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, that's L-O-B-U-C-K-S as your promo code. SeatGeek will send you a $20 rebate after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. That's L-O-B-U-C-K-S. And I think uh, we got into a little bit, we mentioned in terms of rotations, uh, Chris Middleton, how Chris Middleton commonly last year played entire first and third quarters. And so if we're trying to imagine how you would stagger such that you would never need to play, you know, a random dude basically uh, at small forward, you know, the obvious option would be uh, Giannis or Jabari comes out, uh, Toledovic comes in, and, uh, you know, you could still have uh, Giannis or Jabari, whoever was still in playing small forward, you could still have Middleton at shooting guard, or if you take both Giannis and Jabari out of the game uh, and you still have Middleton in to end a quarter, for instance, the first third quarter, then you could have Middleton at small forward, which we've said, you know, we we don't necessarily see enough depth at the shooting guard spot to really justify trying to play Chris Middleton at small forward. Um, but it's certainly an option. And, uh, you know, I think with Jabari and Giannis, I mean, my view, and I think we maybe differ a little bit is I feel like Giannis is most, 
I think especially sort of like how the league is trending, like he's probably more of a defensive power forward, um, but pretty interchangeable. Um, I think defensively, I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't think Giannis like on the wing is uh, or, or, you know, like on the perimeter is, is as good. He's gotten better at like getting through screens, which he stunk at as a rookie and early in his career. But um, I still kind of like him more uh, if he's able to kind of be a little bit closer to the basket so he can, you know, do things like weak side shot block and, and be around the basket to, to grab rebounds and, and push the ball, which, you know, maybe is a, a little bit easier to do if you're a four versus a three. But um, either way, we can talk about that more in the Tomorrow's Power Forward podcast. Um, but yeah, so I think there are ways you can stagger it such that you wouldn't really need to play other guys um, at the three. I mean, we saw that last year obviously, uh, where, you know, there weren't like other guys playing huge minutes at the three. Uh, so hopefully we'll, we'll, uh, you know, they'll be able to, to kind of find that benefit or find that, uh, find the same, same this year. Um, and, and looking- honestly, Frank, if you already look at last year's nylon calculus, uh, positional estimates at small forward, there were only four guys listed and you have, you have Jabari, and you have Middleton listed there at small forward. And then there's just two other guys. And even they might not have been really what you considered small forward. So you can already see that creative staggering. Uh, do you want to guess the, the other two that were listed there? Do you know who was who listed there? Um, yeah, I feel like one of them was, well, I think, I think one of them was Rashad Vaughn, right? Is that making that up? Yeah. Do you have the other? Uh, a non like a a guy other than the big three that we're that we were talking about, or is it non big three? Um, was it OJ? That close? Uh, uh, uh I'm blanking now. Johnny O'Brien, J O B, J O B. Oh, that's right. And and this is where you know I mean we should know. I think that's where you know some of the self admitted limitations of the. Um, the nylon calculus numbers are because I think what it was doing was because Giannis's minutes are basically all power forward and JOB's minutes has like a ton of uh, small forward minutes. So I think what they effectively did was because they were probably, I, I imagine there were a lot of it was just based on like height. And so my guess is that they were saying JOB was a small forward when Giannis, when he was in there with just Giannis. And, you know, I think you'd easily sort of flip that and say Giannis was more of the small forward. But, uh, but yeah. Definitely. And obviously JOB wasn't playing small forward and Rashad Vaughn probably really wasn't playing small forward either. But I guess the fact that you really only have two guys that played small forward last season speaks to the lack of flexibility at that position and kind of, just the the overall flaws in roster construction there's not another three and d guy there and all of a sudden you have a roster that despite having guys that can play multiple positions doesn't really make a ton of sense well let, yeah let's let's sort of tease that apart so I, I see i would argue that especially if you look at the guys they added this summer that the guys they added this summer actually make you know you can make lots of uh, uh, you find find very good logic in you know adding Matthew Delvadova because he you know shoots and defends and that's the guy you want playing point guard or nominal point guard with Point Giannis and we can say Toledovich makes sense because he can space the floor and he has a you know astronomical three point rate and he's pretty good at actually making them and so yeah that makes sense 
And yeah, re-signing Plumlee, okay, they paid him too much money, but uh, as a pick and roll guy who doesn't, you know, need post-ups, doesn't need touches, uh, he was a nice fit with with the big three as well last year. So, I mean, on the one hand, like, you know, it's kind of like, well, I think a lot of the pieces sort of make sense, or at least they're starting to make more sense. Um, our getting at is this weird dynamic of, you know, certain guys' limitations suggest, oh, you got to play him in this role, but that doesn't work as well because then he doesn't do this and he's probably going to be playing with this other guy and it's just kind of like difficult, right? Sure, but but it's the leftovers in the fridge that are the problem with the Bucks roster. <laughs> that That's where the, the real problems are for them. All the new pieces, they all make sense. And even despite Plumlee's contract being too much and too high, they make sense. You can see the logical reasons behind adding them to the roster. What doesn't make sense is the leftovers. And it's kind of like on Thanksgiving when you have your your turkey dinner. So you have this huge turkey and you spend a ton of money on this turkey. And it is a beautiful bird. Don't get me wrong there. But there's just so much of it. And it's still hanging out in your fridge. And for the next week, you're trying to figure out, what on earth am I going to do with all this turkey? I'm sick of turkey. I don't want turkey anymore. I don't want to eat turkey anymore. And you're trying to think of ways to get creative with it. Can I Can I make tacos with turkey? Um, can I do a, some sort of turkey lasagna? Is Is there something I can do with this turkey? And right now, the Bucks turkey is Greg Monroe. <laughs> so, so they have Greg Monroe... Uh, they brought him in. They thought, oh, man, this is going to be great. We're going to have a great Thanksgiving dinner. And then, well, after Thanksgiving, it wasn't it wasn't something you wanted to eat anymore. So you have Greg Monroe as your turkey. And I guess you have MCW as your cranberry sauce. <laughs> Some people really like it. Other people don't really get why it's on the table. Um, so you have these leftovers, and you're trying to get creative with it but you just really don't know how to use them because they don't really fit in every dish. Turkey doesn't work in every dish. Cranberry sauce doesn't work in every dish. It works on Thanksgiving dinner, but it doesn't work anywhere else. So it, they're just not very, uh, they're not very flexible pieces. They're not pieces that you can use in multiple lineups. It's kind of working around the flaws of those two to try to make lineups that work together. And it's just very difficult for the Bucks. So I think the most fungible type of player in the NBA, especially the modern quote unquote modern NBA is the guy who regardless of position can capably defend at least one position and make a perimeter shot, you know, preferably a three pointer. And the, the Bucks' fundamental problem is that we, you know, we've we already think we already talked about. They basically have we've only five guys who we can count on hitting threes at a decent rate, and one of them is Steve Novak, who probably won't play. And of those four remaining guys, really two of them are guys that fit into that you know three and D ish type role. And one of them is Chris Middleton, and the other is Matthew Delvadova. And that's obviously why we always talk about wanting to start Delhi, despite his you know other limitations outside of those two skills. Um, and so it's just tough, I think, because when you try to then like play guys together, it's always easy to play guys who can shoot and defend. But when you only have two of them, then you start kind of like you know running into roadblocks. And so it seems like everybody on the team 
has like a fundamental flaw that creates those problems for lineups. Either they can't shoot or we, we don't know if they can shoot or, or they can't defend at all or not well enough to really be, you know, the sort of fungible type guy. Um, or they're guys in contract years that the Bucks have tried to trade and we don't know if they'll accept reduced roles, which is basically MCW and Greg Monroe, uh, our turkey and uh, cranberry sauce, if you will. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, it, it, is such a, it is such an interesting situation where on the one hand you can kind of like, I think it's easy to piece together our starting five that we think makes sense with, you know, Delhi, the big three, and let's say Plumley, or I mean you could even throw Henson in there and say, like, you know, Henson's more defensive. That's fine, I can, whatever. I can even figure out the first two guys off the bench. Like like I think we can even go that far. And I like I think we can find seven guys that we think are great, but finding more of those guys and creating lineups and getting through an eighty two game season is very difficult. Like if if I just needed a playoff rotation Maybe you're in a better situation, but to get through an 82 game season, oh, it's going to be brutal. It's yeah, I think uh, it's easy to look at in isolation. So, in terms of guys on the bench, it's you know when we were talking about it yesterday, the last two days, you know MCW and Jason Terry, well, those guys could complement each other okay. Uh, you know Toledovich playing with Giannis, yeah, that could work. Uh, Toledovich playing with Henson. That could work. Uh, but then it's like, you know, Greg Monroe is kind of like the Kool-Aid man blasting through the, <laughs> like, wall of your, you know, house. And it's like, hey, Kool-Aid tastes sweet, but, you know, it's also going to make your children obese and not be able to fend. Um, so, <laughs> I don't know. I did not expect to take this weird tangent into child, child health. Uh, but, um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it is weird. I mean, basically, the I feel like what we're getting down to is uh, guys who are not, you know, guys who are subpar defenders and guys who are not great shooters make life difficult. And Greg Monroe makes life difficult, especially because he doesn't do either of those things, <laughs> despite his talents and expectations of playing. So, um, so anyway, we've diverged from the topic of of small forwards. Um, but the small forward spot is sort of this interesting fulcrum of the team because, as you, you know, as we said, it is home to sort of arguably the most talented Bucks. Um, but it's also in the middle of kind of this weird space where uh, they've got all these guys that can play one, two, and they've got all these guys that can play, especially the five. Um, and then the forward spots are kind of like, you know, the 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 realm of the the Bucks best players, but then also um, kind of like weird, like it may, you know, all the questions we have about making lineups worth uh, work uh, are are kind of uh, not in the focal point, isn't at the small forward spot, but um, but you can't escape it there either. Yeah, I, th- I think part of it is just the fact that there's not another reliable three and D player in that spot that you can actually give Chris that rest. Or you you can actually move Giannis to a spot you want to move Giannis, or move make him bigger, or make him smaller, or kind of do anything interesting. Like the options are just so few there, and the options that are there, like beyond Middleton, Giannis and Jabari are, despite being uber talented, are 
somewhat inflexible that you do need to have certain things around them to have a successful lineup. So it, it makes it a little bit more difficult to work with. And I guess one other thing I wanted to kind of explore in this, in this space is the fact that I think we'll talk about Jabari Parker quite a bit with the power forward position and, and we'll do that tomorrow. But I guess one thing that I keep kind of coming back to is with Jabari, you, you certainly get more of an advantage offensively by playing him at the four. His quickness is just so overwhelming uh, for most fours that, that they just can't cover him. They can't keep up with him. They don't know how to attempt to defend him, but is he a four? Because they defensively, I don't know what type of four he can cover. Like, I don't think he can cover a stretch four. I don't think he can cover a bruising four. I don't think he can cover fours. So is he a four? Because we, I would say for the most part, our believers in the you are who you defend. And I don't, I don't. You say that, you say that, you say that. And then you always refer to Giannis as a point guard. But yeah, fine, Eric, you know, (laughs) guy. Um, that is the ultimate limit test. But yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, any position that requires Jabari to defend and hedge and recover in pick and rolls makes me nervous. And that's going to be demanded of you a lot more as a four man than as a three. Uh, on the flip side, you know, with three, you're going to deal with, you know, the Paul Georges of the world. Um, I guess LeBron is really more of a four now anyway. Um, but, you know, yeah, do you want, do you want Jabari going against some of those elite wing scorers? Not necessarily, but then again, I think he almost can do less damage to sort of the overall shape of the defense when he's just sort of trying to defend one on one. So uh, it, it is a weird spot, and I and I, you know, I think we've gone gone going back to really probably December of last year when I think they first started uh, trying to put Jabari on more wings defensively. Um, I've thought it was a worthwhile experiment, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I, I think. The ability to switch is something that the Bucks do have more of, especially with those wings that we've talked about and their inter- interchangeability. So, to the extent that you know guys like Jabari can actually process that, and it's you know something that they can handle sort of mentally um, while they're playing, then then I would be totally fine with kind of doing a lot of that. But uh, it'll be interesting to see, and I think for sure, you know Jabari's defense and how much he can improve is. I think one of those huge X factors for the Bucks, not just this season, but long term. Because if you're going to defend at an above average rate in this league as a team, you know you can't have just you know a guy out there playing 35 minutes who's a complete grenade, right? I mean, you can you can maybe gloss over that if you have a bunch of other good defenders and a really kind of tight system. But um, you know, I feel like if Jabari is looking for something to do in the last few weeks of the summer, just Give him game film of Jared Dudley playing in the Bucks system two years ago, and just let him watch you know game after game of that. Yeah, and it, that I guess that's the big thing for me is I think when I look at NBA defenses, I'm always focused on how you are within the team defense. Are you are you making the right reads? Are you aware of where you should be? Are you able to call out the things that you need to call out? Are you able to tell your teammates where they should be? Are are you able to see the larger picture and I, I think that's something Jabari struggles with but 
if that is something Jabari struggles with and will continue to struggle with, then he almost has to defend threes his entire career because as a four or a five, anyone that's around the rim, more of a big, they have to be aware of those things. And they they have to be able to understand a team scheme. While on, on the wing defender, you might be able to just put them on the other team's best player, let them try to defend one-on-one, and, and that's going to kind of be how it is. So I know when we looked at the numbers for who played small forward for the Bucks last year, there was a, a ton of minutes of Jabari playing small forward uh, roughly they would say 1800 minutes of him playing small forward and it makes sense because the bucks kind of gave up on putting him in on pick and rolls coverage and and asking him to make rotations down in the lane and so it, it is something that i guess is just going to kind of i don't loom uh, actually you know what loom is the right word it is something that it's going to loom over the bucks for as long as jabari is a part of the team because you can try to find ways to scheme around certain defensive players' uh, inabilities, their struggles, and Jabari might end up being that guy for the Bucks. but that means the rest of the roster has to be tight. Like They have to know exactly what they're doing. Uh, they have to be able to play a position well. They have to be able to work together as a team to cover up for that guy. So that defensive question for Jabari Parker I mean, I just can't think of a bigger question for the Bucks as a whole overall. And again, it kind of shapes his future. Is he a four? Is he a three? What does he do? So there, it's a it's a huge question for this Bucks roster. I mean, if uh, if the Cleveland Cavaliers winning an NBA title can provide any hope uh, to to Bucks fans, it's that you know Kyrie Irving and and Kevin Love were on the court defensively for the final minute of game seven. And, <laughs> you know, Kevin Love, even against all odds, uh, hung enough with, with Steph Curry to, to force that critical miss. And so, yeah, um, hey, if, if you only have one uh, really questionable defender in Jabari, maybe you can play around that. Uh, you know, probably a big ask to, to tell Giannis to go be LeBron James, but uh, we will see soon enough. Uh, let's wrap it up there. We'll talk about the flip side of Jabari and his forward uh, uh, defensive issues Uh, on the flip side of this. We'll get to the power forwards. Um, But in the meantime, remember locked on bucks. We have the promo code for SeatGeek. Be sure to download the app and enter the promo code L O B U C K S. That's with SeatGeek, the best way to buy tickets for concerts and sporting events. Thanks again for listening. I'm Frank Madden joined by Eric name. We'll talk to you tomorrow.